Hi, you're listening to Two Weebs in a Trench Coat. I'm Suzanne. And I'm Madison. And uh, this week, I will be talking about Magical Girls. I will be giving a, a brief history of Magical Girls. <laughs> Hopefully. My notes for this episode were eight pages instead of 14 for Junji Ito. <laughs> so, uh, Suzanne, what do you know about Magical Girls? Um... When I was, like, ten, maybe, I have a very vivid memory of sitting around with a group of girls at school talking about the shows we liked, and I tried to describe the show that I really liked, and um, I figured out later that I was talking about card captors, mm-hmm. but this girl was like, oh, you mean Sailor Moon? And I was like, what the fuck is Sailor Moon? <laughs> oh, um. no. <laughs> Because I, like, because anime was kind of unknown, mm-hmm. um, you could still get, you could still catch dubbed episodes on TV sometimes, but I just pretty much just watched whatever was on Cartoon Network. I barely even watched Nickelodeon, so I didn't know what Sailor Moon was, mm-hmm. and then my first foray into anime was Tokyo Mew Mew. Which is when I actually watched the first... That was the first Magical Girl anime I saw that wasn't, like, cut up for um, kids, basically. Uh, that was the first sub I watched. That was the first show I got unhealthily obsessed with. Oh, man. <laughs> that was the show with um, Shirogane, the gayest straight <gasps> character I've ever seen in my life. Oh, and his terrible <laughs> fashion sense! I hate, I hate him on principle. I hate his little gay twinkie ass. In his terrible fashion sense. I've never seen more than three episodes of Tokyo Mew Mew in my entire life. Yeah, that show is really filled with a lot of, like, soft boys. Um, Shirogane is, like, uh, really... He's, like, the obnoxious kind of rebel, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the male love interest for the main character, Ichigo, is, like... I'm trying to think of how to describe him that isn't the way people described him in the 2000s, which was gay, but as but like in the bad way. Oh no! And it literally just because he had emotions and cared about the environment, like that's his whole. He didn't really have much of a character, but like because he cared a lot, people were like, "Oh, he sucks." Oh, oh, you have emotions. <laughs> Government assigned gay. <laughs> I'm sorry, you have emotions? The government has assigned you as gay. (laughs) Yeah, I'm getting kind of off topic, but basically my first anime anime was Tokyo Mew Mew. And yeah, other than that, I actually haven't watched many Magical Girl shows. I didn't really, I'm going to get crucified for this, but I didn't really like Madoka. Um, One of my friends tried to get me to watch Yuki Yusha. Um, which is kind of like Madoka in that mm. it's a magical girl who, um, but kind of deconstructed. Like, it's not cute. Like, okay. the characters genuinely suffer. Um, yeah. Other than Tokyo Mimiyo, I don't actually know a whole lot about magical girls. I'm, I feel like a fake because I didn't watch Sailor Moon at all, so. I mean, my only, my, my point of reference for magical girls is Sailor Moon because that is what I grew up watching. And I love it deeply with all my heart. So, 
My sources for today are Wikipedia, of course, uh, Nippon.com, Ranker.com, RealRundown.com, and CBR.com. So, the first Magical Girls, sort of the first era of them, was from 1953 to 1979. Mm. Uh, the genre was originally known as uh, Majoko, or Little Witch, um, and... Princess Knight from 1953 uh, is seen as the prototype for the genre Mm -hmm. uh, because it had the tropes of girls transforming to do things they can't normally do. And it was actually written by by Tezuka. Osama Tezuka? Yeah, it was actually written by Osama Tezuka. Hmm. Who wrote Astro Boy. Yeah, everyone's like, oh. Astro Boy, and it's like, he had, a, he had a lot of other really niche genre-defining and starting work. Uh, I definitely want to do an episode on him, I think. Like, he has stuff that hasn't, I think, been translated to English. Like, he has stuff that's genuinely controversial. Yeah. Uh, I've only... Because I, I looked into it a little bit when I was doing research for something else, but um, the only other thing of his that I have interacted with is Dororo. Mm-hmm. So I got an anime in, like, the 60s, I think, and then recently got another adaption in 2019, and I watched that one, which is on Amazon Prime, Mm -hmm. and it's a story about a, what's the word, a Japanese noble who his, I guess, kingdom is going through a horrible famine, so he makes a deal with demons to bring prosperity back to his lands, and he sacrifices his son. Mm-hmm. So the moment his son is born, these demons steal his son's body. And then he abandons his son, pretty much as a maid to dump him in a river to die. Sorry to go on like another tangent. No, 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 you're you're good. I, I, I looked at like his Wikipedia page and I was like, oh, I've heard of like two of these, but he did do so much more that was genre defining. Uh, for mm-hmm. for other for other things and it's a princess knight is definitely dated as it came out in the 50s the manga is about the adventures of sapphire a girl who is born accidentally with the blue heart of a boy and the pink heart of a girl so she's trans nice she's <laughs> your manga protagonist looks gnz as fuck <laughs> <laughs> can't believe um some tezuka invented trans magical girls <laughs> um but so the whole story is her pretending to be a male prince uh to fight evil and stop the evil from inherit and in- inheriting the throne of the kingdom and the gender bending was inspired by the traditional takarazuka review which women performed both female and male roles uh hmm. the next one which is quite a few, quite a few years later. It actually marks the beginning of like uh, toy animation start in the magical girl genre. Is Sally the Witch from 1966, and it is regarded as the first magical girl anime. Hmm. It's also known as Sunny the Witch. I think it's just a translation thing, and it definitely starts off the trope of like back when magical girls were mostly witches. Or spellcasters from another world coming to the human world to live for mm. some reason. Uh, it definitely started that off. And Sally's the witch princess of the magic kingdom who longs to visit the mortal realm. 
to presumably to make friends her own age. Uh, she ends up making friends on Earth and stays indefinitely, leading to mischief. So in this era, it was it wasn't like girls turning into magical girls. It was like they're already magical and then they come to the human world. Yep. Uh, the first handful of magical girls, it was all they were already magic and they came from magical worlds. And instead, they, for some reason or another, ended up on regular normal Earth. Hmm. Um, as opposed to normal girls getting magical powers and then protecting Earth. Mm-hmm. So there are a lot of parallels between uh, Sally and Samantha Stevens from Bewitched, because they both had to keep their supernatural abilities a secret and pretend to be regular, normal humans. That was a theme of, of the anime. Um, next up. Well, nope, I did these out of order. I tried to keep them <laughs> in a chronological timeline, but I I put these ones in the wrong order. Uh, Himitsu no Akochan is from 1962, so it was a manga first. Oh, that's why I put it before. Okay, I fixed that later in my notes. But the manga came out in 1962, Mm-hmm. The anime adaption was in 1969, so it does come mm-hmm. after Sally the Witch. Um, but the manga's 1996 adaptation into an anime introduced the idea of using some sort of compact or item to transform. Mm-hmm. So that started becoming a thing with this series. And this series was about... Uh, Ako Kagami, who was an elementary school kid, her favorite mirror, which was given to her by her mother, or in some versions her father, I guess that's a discrepancy between the manga and the anime, um, mm-hmm. it gets broken and she decides to bury it rather than throw it out in the trash. And so in her dreams, the queen of the mirror kingdom, who is touched that the girl would like treat the mirror respectfully gives her magical powers. <laughs> um, Akochan is given the gift of a magical mirror and taught the accompanying enchantments that allow her to transform into anything that she wishes. So that was sort of the first time that we that we see the appearance of the transformation aspect of Magical Girl without it being related to like the also popular Super Sentai series. Uh, That comes Mm. much later. So 1972 is Chappie the Witch, and it is the fifth magical girl anime in history. The sixth, if if you count Osamu Tezuka's other magical girl series, Marvelous Melmo, which which is apparently controversial. In content or as counting it as a magical girl series both okay. <laughs> i will get to it i'm i will talk about it right after i talk about um chappie so it was also produced by toei so mm-hmm. another in their long lineup of magical girl series it was unfortunately not as popular as the magical girls that came before and after so it's pretty obscure comparatively like i had never heard of this the setup of the story is very similar to Sally the Witch, uh, where Chappie leaves her world of the Land of Magic and goes to the human world. 
She is a notable entry in the genre because instead of a compact, she is the first witch slash magical girl to use a magical baton. So like mm-hmm. the moon healing stick from Sailor Moon would sort of be mm-hmm. an equivalent that a lot of more modern people would know. So <laughs> Marvelous Melmo is from 1971. This is, this is the weird one. It is not truly, in my opinion, and in a lot of other people's opinions, although this is still a little controversial, it is not truly in content a magical girl anime, but it's an interesting entry in the genre regardless. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's by Osamu Tezuka. (laughs) And here's where it gets a little weird. Bear with me, it's a, it's, a, it's a long description, but you gotta hear all of it, because it's, it's a little buck wild. The series is about Melmo, a nine-year-old girl whose mother is unfortunately killed in, in a car accident. No, oh, dead mom syndrome. Uh, we may This may also be the beginning of dead anime side ponytail mom. I don't know. <laughs> we, we have to talk about that, too. So now this nine-year-old girl, I guess the father is never mentioned. Because now this nine-year-old orphan girl has to take care of her two younger brothers. She's nine. While in heaven, the children's mother is given one wish. Her wish is that Melmo, the oldest out of her three children, will be allowed to grow up more quickly than usual, since their lives as children will be difficult without their parents. That's the first sort of iffy. Um, Hmm... Melmo's mother is permitted to visit her as a ghost and gives Melmo a bottle of candy that she got from God. Uh. The blue candy turns this nine-year-old child into a 19-year-old girl. Um. The red candy turns her back into a child. Um. If she combines the two... And he eats both candy at once. She turns into a fetus. Um. <laughs> uh-huh. Oh. But no, 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 no. If she- Oh no, so, there's more? There's more. So she eats the purple candy, turns into a fetus, but then an animal of her choosing- This is the most. This is the most buck wild one. We're not even halfway done. Um. <laughs> you can't see my face right now, but like, it's. I. I. I they go on. They turned away from the camera at one point because this is just Suzanne could not deal <laughs> with this. <laughs> I mean, same. And I had to. I was researching this, so we've gotten past the candy. Right here's the next sort of iffy bad part. Uh, when Melmo ages into a young adult from a, a nine-year-old child, her clothes don't grow with her, resulting in shredded clothes or skin-tight children's clothes on the body of a young adult woman. Um, so oh, I was already like, okay, if you're gonna age up a character, why is it conveniently after eighteen? And then to have her clothes get shredded or, like, Mm -hmm. weirdly tight is, um, a choice. 
So I I will say that that was a choice of the anime, and uh, Tezuka did that was not a thing in the manga. So okay. I, I will give him that. This is still a fucking weird concept, but in the manga, the clothes just changed with her. Then who the fuck was the person who was like, let's make it horny? I don't know. But it's also uh, one of the first to make the anime, you know, with the clothes ripping or becoming skin tight. was also one of the first anime series to use, to make uh, the use of the panty shot a regular occurrence. She's nine. She's nine. No. So this we'll be talking no. we'll be talking about this again when we do our our very probably multiple part episode about Shotokan and Lo- and Lolicon and underage stuff in anime because <laughs> this is an entry in it which is ooh yikes I'm already stressed. Like, <laughs> <laughs> this is the we're, only. We're how long into this? We're 20 minutes in. I'm already like, okay. <laughs> this is the only bad one. I swear. I swear. <laughs> okay. And it's literally not even truly a magical girl anime. It just had the transformation trope, so it is technically part of the genre, but not a true like magical girl anime. Okay, just animated by perverts. Also, God was there. <laughs> so. What the fuck. Um. So although. Uh, most of the episodes were about adventure stories. Tessica intended the series to function as sort of a sex education light for kids. Um. And and sex education light and Darwinist evolution light. You know, for kids. <laughs> this... this- this silence on my end is just making a series of more and more confused faces. It's very good. Um, so, because of this weirdness, the anime only ever aired in Japan and Italy. <laughs> uh, okay. Many Japanese parents reportedly hated the show. <laughs> <laughs> Since it raised so many questions from children that parents were uncomfortable with answering. (laughs) Like, hey, mom. Teaching kids about, like, relationships, I guess. Yeah. But, like, some kids do go through puberty early, but do I want to get my sex ed at nine years old from an anime with panty shots? Yeah. And also Darwinism evolution. What the fuck? Like how? Darwinist evolution. How can you? How can it have Darwinist evolution in it when a main plot point is the mom coming back as a ghost to give her <laughs> daughter candy that she got from the Abrahamic, assumably God? Like well, wh- what? I don't think. I think. I think Darwin was. He wasn't an atheist. Um, and I think his theory of evolution was, like, his idea of, I guess, God perfecting creatures on Earth. But that's besides the point. (laughs) 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 So that's, that's the start of the 70s. Oh, Jesus. And then moving on to the final, like, notable entry from the first batch of 
of magical girls uh, is Little Meg the Witch Girl from 1974. Again, the anime was produced by Toei. Mm -hmm. So the series Little Meg was, uh, it's an important entry in the genre because a lot of the tropes in the way that the show, like the, the beats of the show were, and like recurring motifs were recycled into Toei's Sailor Moon and AIC's Pretty Sammy and Wedding Peach, which are lower down on the list. They're like from the 90s too. Uh, Little Meg or Megu Chan follows the experiences of a powerful but accident-prone young witch who again <laughs> comes to Earth <laughs> as part of her initiation into a larger society. So I guess in this one, the witch world is much smaller. She's adopted by a former witch who gave up her royal ambitions to wed a mortal. This former witch who becomes her her teacher makes the questionable choice of bewitching her husband and their two children into believing that Megu has always been the eldest child of the family. Hmm. Which is uh, weird. Which is an interesting choice. But the concept of using magic to alter memory comes up in a lot of future Magical Girl series like Sailor Moon. Mm -hmm. That's sort of a big premise of at least the first season <laughs> of oh. Sailor Moon. So that is the end of the sort of original batch of notable Magical Girls, the first Magical Girls, with, a, with an entry that's questionable at best and... <laughs> questionable at best. <laughs> um, oh, I can't wait to do that um, Tezuka episode now. It's gonna be a riot. Oh, man. <laughs> so, uh, so the magical girl boom marks the time period from the 1980s to 1999. This is the transition between the focus on the magical slash little witch um, type of magical girl, although that still exists. The focus becomes more on Maho Shoujo, the actual true magical girl. And um, with that switch, Maho Shoujo becomes like the more well-known and lasting name of the genre, which is the name that we still use today. Even though there are still like witch characters in magical girls. Magical Girl uh, shows. So this is when we really get the transforming aspects of Magical Girls. Like, a couple of the ones earlier, we had them having, like, the compact or the baton that helped them do magic or transform. But Minky Momo and Creamy, Creamy Mommy really pushed the, the trope of young girls transforming into adult young adult versions of themselves to get things done, which has been linked to the increasing prominence of women at the time, including mm -hmm. several prominent politicians in Japan, the all-female band Princess Princess, and the rise of pop idols, as well as the passage of the Equal Employment Opportunity Act in 1985. Hmm. So Magical Princess Minky Momo is from 1982. Created by Ash Ashi Productions. No, As Asahi? Asahi? Is it Asahi? 
Is it A-S-A-H-I? No, A-S-H-I. Oh, okay. I was thinking of a different one. Okay. Asahi is also on this list, too, so I was like, wait, they're different? (laughs) The original series ran between 1982 and 1983 on Tokyo TV and had three OVAs afterwards. The second series ran on NTV between 1991 and 1992. And a third Momo series actually began began in 2004 as a manga. Uh, So, Magical Princess Mickey Momo. Momo is a princess of what is called the Land of Dreams in the Sky, which is where fairy tale characters live. It was in Earth's orbit so sort of like the moon. Uh, and it was in danger of leaving the orbit and disappearing because people on Earth lost their hopes and dreams. So the king and queen sent their daughter Momo to Earth to help people regain their hopes and dreams. Super cute for kids, right? Like, it's it's cute. Uh, <laughs> oh, no. Episode 46 of the original series is infamous because... It shows Momo getting hit by a truck and dying. Yes. This child gets hit. The child main character of this magical girl anime gets hit by a truck and uh, dies. Spoilers. Well, you can't talk about (laughs) Miki Momo. uh, You can't talk about Miki Momo and not talk about episode 46. So this was actually done because the series writer... Takashi Shudo explained that it it was done in retaliation from the production staff after the toy sponsor for the show, because this was in the time period sort of similar to America, where like He-Man and She-Ra were, and Transformers were mostly being made because Hasbro and Mattel had the money to back shows mm-hmm. as advertisements for toys. Mm-hmm. So the toy sponsor for Minky Momo pulled funding due to poor merchandise sales despite the show having good popularity and strong ratings. So the team at the so they show fucking hit her with a truck? The team at the show first the lead up to that is that uh, she loses her powers somehow and uh-huh. then goes I think she goes to save another kid and gets <laughs> hit by a truck which oh is full of, which is carrying boxes of toys no (laughs) yes so this was a protest uh by the production staff however the character's death was only temporary because then she is reborn as an actual like daughter like an actual kid on earth Mm -hmm. um and the series continues but she, she 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 was dead. She dead. Could you imagine being a child watching this and just be like, "It's my favorite magical girl show," and she just gets slammed by a truck? Yeah, it uh, it was traumatic for a lot of kids. <laughs> oh my god! And so, even though the death was temporary, uh, and mm-hmm. they did bring back the character and the series, this is seen as sort of the trailblazing moment to let later magical girl shows explore darker themes. Mm-hmm. I like like child death. <laughs> Wait, how uh-huh. old is the character? 
Uh, well, she's a child because when she does magical girl stuff, she turns into a teenager. So she's definitely mm-hmm. a kid. I think she's supposed to be like 10. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. But it's okay. She's reincarnated as a baby and it's fine. <laughs> it's fine. Um, <laughs> moving on from that. Creamy Mommy the Magical Angel is from 1983, produced by Periot, and it aired on Nippon Television. This is actually the first sort of cross between Magical Girl and Idol genres. Um, The main character is an ordinary 10-year-old girl until she sees a spaceship floating in the sky. She helps the denizens of the spaceship find this magical item, and in thanks... They give her a magical wand, which allows her to transform into a 16-year-old girl for one year. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Um, She's also given two cats Hmm. who are to watch over her while she has magical powers, which is something that we see echoed in Sailor Moon. Um, Having the sort of magical companion with the magical girl. So (laughs) she's wandering around the city as a teenager, accidentally ends up on TV, and is asked to sing, and because she's magic now, she's good at it. So she becomes an idol. Hmm. But still also fights against supernatural beings that are trying to steal her away and steal magical items away. The <laughs> One of the villains' name is Snake Joe. Apparently. <laughs> Isn't there a villain in Sailor Moon that's just a sneaker? Yes. There are several (laughs) villains that are just household items. I have the most vivid memory of a vacuum that is shaped like an elephant. (laughs) It is a real thing. I thought it was a false memory and I I looked it up like, I re-looked it up years ago, but I will get to that. But yeah, so Creamy Mommy is notable in the genre for being a mix between the, the newer version of Magical Girl transformation, protecting Earth, or doing something to help Earth instead of just moving there from a different magical land. And mm-hmm. the idol anime genre, which comes into play much, much later, but this was definitely one of the first, and, and one of the first that mixed the two. The other one would be Mermaid Melody, Peachy Peachy Pitch, which is another magical, magical idol entry in the genre. And then we get to the heavy hitter, probably one of the biggest well-known ones, the lasting, the lasting power of Sailor Moon, pretty soldier Sailor Moon, also pretty guardian Sailor Moon, depending on the translation, because there are several names for it. This episode is brought to you by Anchor. Anchor is the easiest way to make a podcast. It's free, so you don't have to worry about monthly hosting fees. It has built-in creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Or you can record and edit using your favorite audio recording software and upload it straight to Anchor. Anchor will also distribute your podcast, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, CastBox, Pocket Casts. You can also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and Anchor will even match you with advertisers as your audience grows. So if you're interested in starting your own podcast, Anchor is a pretty great place to start. 
Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That's A-N-C-H-O-R dot F-M to get started. So the manga originally came out in 1991 and the Anime came out in 1992 and was produced by Toei and is probably one of the things outside of Japan in the West that they are most well known for producing. Sailor Moon was written and illustrated by Naoko Takeuchi. She's wonderful. I love her. She's She seems like a very cool lady. Yeah, I think she's married to... What's his name? The creator of Hunter Hunter and Yu Yu Hakusho. Yes, she is. Truly a mangaka powerhouse. Togashi Yoshihiro. Yeah, they they have been married since 1999. Honestly, a power couple. Yeah, truly a power couple of, of manga and anime. So, for those of you who don't know, who have never, and I don't know how you would not know anything about Sailor Moon, Especially if you're listening to this and you're my friend, because I've talked about <laughs> Sailor Moon before. Uh, Sailor Moon takes place in Juban, Tokyo, and it is about a middle school student named Usagi Tsukino, who, in if you watched the original DIC American dub, her name was Serena. <laughs> From, oh, oh boy. Usagi befriends Luna, a talking black cat who gives her a magical brooch, enabling her to transform into Sailor Moon, a sailor soldier, destined to save Earth from the forces of evil and um, the Dark Kingdom. In, again, the original DIC dub, this was called the Nega... The Negaverse, <laughs> I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Luna and Usagi assemble a team of fellow sailor soldiers to find the princess and the silver crystal to prevent it from falling into the hands of the Dark Kingdom and Queen Beryl, who, uh, big MILF energy. <laughs> really and truly. <laughs> like, really and truly. <laughs> so, Sailor Moon revolutionized the magical girl genre because it, it combined the transforming concept from earlier series with, like, the actual transforming elaborate sequences from Super Sentai. Mm. With feminine interests, that's debatable, like romance and child rearing, that's romance, sure, because it is a shoujo, but child, I don't, child rearing is questionable, because when I remember Chippy Usa showing up, like, <laughs> Sailor Moon hated her. So, Usagi did not like her child from the future. I don't know if this is in the original, because my sister was watching Crystal, and I remember I turned around while she was watching an episode, and what's the name of the kid? Uh, Chibiusa. So, Chibiusa shows up, and she just whips out a gun, and I was like, Yeah! <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's in the original. <laughs> it was the funniest shit I've ever seen. Like, I was like... You can meme the shit out of that, but, um... It has been. Uh, that is from the original. <laughs> I, I do remember yeah. screen caps from the original 90s anime. So it's also in Crystal, but, uh... Incredible. Because I haven't... I, I haven't seen that much of, um... Any of it, really. So I was asking her, Oh, who's this character? And she was like, Oh, it's Usagi's daughter. And I was like... From the future. Excuse me? 
there's time travel. Yeah, <laughs> she said from the future. I'm like, okay, I'm just gonna go back to work, actually. Yeah, later seasons get a little weird. A, mm, a little weird. That's also where, like, the... Um, that's where the sort of weird um instance of the... What's the girl version of the... Uh, of, of, of mommy fucking disease? <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. Of, of what? <laughs> mommy fucking disease. The addiction... The complex. The incest complex. Oedipus complex? Yes, thank you. I couldn't remember. <laughs> no, hold on. Hold on. Wait. <laughs> Mommy fucking disease. Yeah. But it's the opposite, because she's got like a... Because there's, there's a part where Chibi Usa gets corrupted and turned into like... A young adult version of herself, and then tries to steal her dad in the past from her mom from the past, and it's icky. So she has she has father fucking disease, <laughs> and it's gross. If Freud could hear us now. <laughs> Yeah, that's about one of the one question. Like, there are absolutely issues with Sailor Moon. It is a product of its time. It is dated. I feel like it was weird even for the 90s, though. I mean, uh, one of the biggest issues that's still sort of hotly debated even to this day is why they made Usagi and all of the other Sailor Scouts middle school students. Like, they're 14, Mm-hmm. And then her love interest, Mamoru, is a university student. Mm, no, thank you. In the anime, I believe the age gap is a little less in the manga, but in the anime, it, it's significant, and that's a little icky. It's like a 20 and 14 in, in the no. anime. No. And even if it was 18 and 14, that's still gross. You're an adult. That's a child. <laughs> like, nasty. By adult standards, like, an, a six-year age gap isn't a huge deal because you're both adults. But yeah. could you imagine if you're in college and your buddy goes like, oh, I'm hanging out with my girlfriend this weekend. You're like, oh, cool. Yeah, I just have to pick her up from school. Oh, what school did she go to? Oh, you know that high school I used to go to? <laughs> or whatever. Like, yeah. If your friend came to you and said, oh, my girlfriend's in high school. No. Yeah. No. And listen, like, I'm definitely have an interesting perspective on the debate because my partner and I have an 11 year age difference. Mm -hmm. However, we both met when I was several years out of high school and a legal adult. And that's what's (laughs) important. Um, yeah, don't date kids. You deserve (laughs) to go to jail. I'm just trying to understand, like, I can't imagine... Having, like, what the fuck do you have in common with a 14-year-old in your 20s? Nothing. Nothing. It's about the emotional manipulation and mm. power dynamic. That's all it is. It's just... Can't wait to get canceled over that take. F. Come for me. You better, you better <laughs> fucking kill me in one shot. <laughs> so going back to Sailor Moon. <laughs> Sailor Moon has had incredible staying power in the cultural zeitgeist. 
the original anime had five seasons, but three animated theatrical releases in the 90s, a television special, three short films based on the anime, a live-action Super Sentai series, Pretty Guardian Sailor Moon from 2003 to 2004, although that was had some significant differences to both the anime and the manga. Mm-hmm. They also had comics, like American-style comics. I have some. Hmm. Uh, novels, video games, and a long-running live-action musical series, which is known as Sarah Mew, currently. Uh, it has... 31 musicals. Oh, wow. Yeah, 31 musicals. Separate musicals. uh, Which have been performed more than 800 times since the show originally opened in 1993. So it opened while the, like, the first season of the anime was, like, directly after the first season of the anime. How long did the manga run for? So Sailor Moon is definitely has the, it had the issue where the anime has a lot of filler episodes because the manga was still running at the time. Uh, the manga ran from 1991 to 1997. Mm-hmm. And the TV series ran from 1992 to 1997 and had 200 episodes <laughs> in oh that, God. which is five seasons, 200 episodes. But going back to the musical... The first one started during the run of the anime series and the manga. So these all three things were going at the exact same goddamn time, which is crazy. (laughs) The first set of musicals, which ran from 1993 to 2005, were produced by Bandai, weirdly enough. And that set of musicals had over 500 performances. Currently, the musicals are produced by Nelke? Nelke? Planning? And have been since 2013. And these are still running? Yeah, they are. (laughs) Sarah Mew is still going. I will do an episode on on Sarah Mew and the musical specifically, because I I watched them in middle school. And I have a couple that Mm -hmm. I still really like. And they're like the stage production is really good. You can find a lot of the older ones on YouTube with, like, actually good subtitles. The, the actual full in-depth history of, of the musicals is actually really interesting. Following Sailor Moon, we have Red Riding Hood Cha-Cha in 1994, <laughs> produced by NAS and TV Tokyo and animated by Gallup. It was broadcasted on TV Tokyo. Sort of a return to the more witch-based style of magical girls. Cha-Cha lives in a cottage on Mochi Mochi Mountain with her guardian and teacher, who is the world's greatest magician. Cha-Cha is clumsy and bad at casting spells, frequently mistaking hononyms, which unfortunately... Probably didn't translate super well, which, uh, and even this won't translate super well because the joke is in actual, you know, it's written, it's in characters. But apparently one of the most well-known ones was summoning spiders instead of a cloud because even though the characters are different, they're both pronounced Kumo in (laughs) Japanese. Mm -hmm. Um... So I can see why that one 
probably never took off in the West because it relied a lot on understanding Japanese, especially if a part of the gag and what made it and part of the comedy in the manga and the show was homonyms in mm-hmm. Japanese. <laughs> then we have Cutie Honey Flash in 1997, produced by Toei again. We have the return of Tohei, Toei, uh, and broadcast on TV Asahai. It's about Honey Kisagari, who is a 16-year-old girl. Her scientist father is kidnapped, but he leaves behind a device that she can use to transform into the red-haired, sword-wielding heroine Cutie Honey. She fights members of the evil organization who kidnapped her father to rescue him. Cutie Honey, like the franchise itself, apparently spans oh hell of a lot. It's got numerous manga series, three anime series, two OVAs, two drama CDs, and three live-action adaptations. And honestly, I have not heard of it, so... Yeah. It has a lot. So, Cutie Honey Flash is more of the well-known versions uh, from 1997, but the first anime series actually aired in 1973 and is considered a magical girl series in retrospect. Cutie Honey Flash, or the Cutie Honey franchise, is actually made by Go Nagai, who is best known for creating Devilman and Mazinger Z. Oh, wow. Like, Go Nagai is credited with creating the super robot genre and designing the first <laughs> mecha robots that were piloted by a user from inside the robot. Mm-hmm. And also pioneering the magical girl genre with Cutie Honey. Man of many talents. Yeah, uh, also super horny on Maine all the time. My man was horny on Maine. Who is <laughs> Devilman Crybaby? Loves Devilman Crybaby. It's fun. <laughs> is real horny on Maine. Um, he is well known for working in the erotica uh, slash etchy genre. And even if his works weren't explicitly like in the erotica genre, they were again horny on Maine. <laughs> but I do love him very much. I do love Devilman. I think it's... I would love to talk about uh, Devilman on an episode because it is a horror... It is part of the horror genre of, of anime that and manga that I like. Um, Wedding Peach, or The Legend of Angel Love, Wedding Peach, from 1995. Adapted by Studio OLM and aired on TV Tokyo. This one goes back to the, the magical girls themselves already live on Earth. They're not inherently magical. And then they are tasked with saving the world. The main character, Momoko, is given a compact. Again, we see the return of the compact and the magical girl sort of arsenal of items. She's told by Aphrodite, the ruler of the angel world, that she is one of the legendary love angels, Wedding Peach. Weird choice of name, Aphrodite, but okay. Uh, She transforms into Wedding Peach and saves her friends and then over the course of the story... Her friends also find out that they are love angels and they have to protect the world from devils. Slayers, also from 1995, is unique for beginning as a light novel series instead of a manga. 
So light novels are like, um, I think kind of like YA fiction in that they're novels geared specifically towards young adults. Yeah, more or less. And light novels can be about sort of anything. Like I know a lot of Vocaloid producers who have like actual plot lines in their songs have gotten light novels based off of like certain parts of their their work, their discography. Mm-hmm. Slayers is about Lena Inverse, a teenager sorceress with many nicknames who wanders around and in the novels she narrates the history of her adventures and then we get to Cardcaptor Sakura from 1998. The story centers around Sakura Kinomoto who is an elementary school student. She discovers magical powers after accidentally freeing a set of magical cards into the world. She must retrieve the cards to prevent catastrophe. Each one of the cards grants different magical powers and can only be activated by someone with inherent magical abilities. So card character Sakura definitely stands out in the genre because of the actual, like, card part mm-hmm. of it. Like, the collectible cards. So it definitely feels very similar to, like, Yu-Gi-Oh! <laughs> <laughs> Which is interesting. I think the manga was by Clamp. Yes. Yes. The manga was by Clamp, and the anime series was adapted by Madhouse, and it aired on Japan's satellite television channel, NHKBS2. So the central theme in Cardcaptor Sakura is love and human relationships, which is a little different than other Magical Girl Maha, Maho Shoujo series, which do have like themes of romance and friendship. But Cardcaptor Sakura specifically chose to show and focus on those human relationships instead of focusing on, like, the hunt for the cards and the magic and fighting enemies, um, which was interesting. However, Clamp, who is not without their own issues, (laughs) even though Cardcaptor Sakura focused on these themes of love and human relationships, they definitely made some choices, and Uh Clamp avoided passing judgment on any correctness or validity of specific kinds of romances and relationships, including one between one of the elementary school students and her teacher. Uh, Like, is it she has a crush and it's just kind of, like, cute and unrequited, or...? The relationship itself... And I have not read or watched Cardcaptor Sakura. The relationship between this elementary school student and her teacher can, is, is presented in such a way, which is basically clamp showing this topic and then wiping their hands of any wrongdoing. <laughs> it is presented in such a way that it can be seen as sweet and innocent, and sort of wish fulfillment, and just like, oh, this child just has a crush on on the teacher, which is fine and normal. Mm-hmm. Or if it is if it is genuinely examined more seriously, it is it's definitely pedophilia, mm. which is icky, and we do not condone that shit here. Not in my house. Not in our good <laughs> Christian Minecraft server. Thank you. <laughs> Which is unfortunate, but honestly not 
uncommon in the time period of when Cardcaptor Sakura was originally being written and published. And, uh, like, I literally just took a chunk out of Sailor Moon for aging down the Sailor Scouts and aging up her love interest, so... Mm. This was definitely an issue and still is, and that, and it's, it's gross. Finally, wrapping up the magical girl boom is Bothersome Witch Doremi from 1999, created again by Toei. The series aired on TV Asahi, and... Uh, it was alternatively titled Magical Doremi in English. It f- focused on a group of elementary school girls, so again, sort of aging them down, who become witch apprentices. Again, more focusing on the witch. So I guess a top- a trend is <laughs> if they're younger, they usually tend to be on like the witch side of of magical girls as opposed to the actual Maho Shoujo kind of magical girl. Mm-hmm. Bothersome Witch Doremi is a notable entry because <laughs> the English version of the first season was produced by four kids in 2005. Honestly, I've never been so relieved to see, to hear four kids because I thought I was going to hear another thing of like, <laughs> and all these characters are like hooking up with high school guys. <laughs> Or they got hit by a truck and died. <laughs> uh, no, it got produced by four kids uh, in 2005, so <laughs> probably a travesty, unfortunately. <laughs> but that actually brings us to Magical Girls of today, which is the 2000s to today. Magical Girls genre became popular again in the 2010s mm-hmm. with Madoka Magica coming out in, in 2011. Which was well known for its mature themes and darker approach. Which mm, we can do an entire episode about uh, Madoka. Honestly, I have I have opinions. I know you have opinions, <laughs> but we're already an hour in recording, and I'm so close <laughs> to being done. So we're yeah, I was gonna, gonna be like, oh, we're gonna get into Madoka right now. Absolutely not. That is its own series. <laughs> Susanna Madison get canceled. That's just every episode. <laughs> All the fucking pro shippers are gonna come for us when we talk about fucking Loli and Shada, Shoda, dude. Like, <laughs> we're gonna get cancelled so hard. <sighs> so, the magical girls of today sort of begins with Tokyo Mew Mew in 2002, which was adapted by Studio Peria and TV Tokyo. One of my favorite things about um Tokyo Mew Mew is the it's one of those shows where you can see where they like the budget looks like it runs out uh-huh <laughs> <laughs> and like there's one specific piece of music that they would use at like really weird times it sounded like a funeral dirge so anytime there was something kind of serious happening it would play this song but it was way too intense for the scene and I think it's just that they had like set pieces of music and oh, we're like no. well this is kind of serious so i guess we'll play the funeral music oh no oh. <laughs> oh no yeah good times so tokyo mew mew um which i've personally i think i read like one volume of the manga because i rented it at my library it's only like seven volumes yeah i like rented it at the library as a kid and i saw maybe like two episodes 
but it focuses on five girls infused with the DNA of endangered animals, which gives them special powers and allows them to transform into Mew Mews. Uh, which is definitely an interesting concept and mm-hmm. stands out in the magical girl genre. Yeah. Because instead of being gifted some sort of magical item that allows them to transform or coming from a magical world, they, they're they just science experiments. <laughs> oh god, they are. Because basically they're infused with animal DNA without their permission? Yeah, the, the origin of cat girl disease, unfortunately. <laughs> and I think it came out at a time when... It was kind of that late 90s, early 2000s where everyone was super into, like, protecting the environment. Yeah. So, like, a lot of the episodes are about, like, environmental issues. Yeah, that was the main thing I saw when, like, looking at the the Wikipedia page for it was Mm -hmm. that it (laughs) the focus was definitely on environmental issues, which is cool. But the the Mew Mews, the, the group led by Ichigo... They protect the Earth from aliens who wish to reclaim it. And Tokyo Mew Mew is getting a new anime series called Tokyo Mew Mew New, which is set to premiere in 2022, so next year. And that's actually why I'm doing this episode specifically on Magical Girls, because that was announced, like, not even a week ago. (laughs) Then we move on to Magical Girl Lyrical... Nanoha from 2004, produced by Seven Arcs. Notable for being a spin-off of a erotic game visual novel series, mm. uh, which is interesting. An interesting choice to make into a Magical Girl series. It's like the target audience, though. Uh, I mean, definitely a different target audience between the original game games <laughs> series of games. There are multiple. And the anime series, because the anime series starts with the main character being a nine-year-old schoolgirl in modern Japan, Mm -hmm. who is swept into conflict between extra-dimensional powers vying for control over magical artifacts that were discovered on Earth. The main character is herself a super-powerful technomage and... The anime series specifically follows her from being a nine-year-old girl to the most recent one where she's actually 25, which is, so it's cool. They actually follow the same character as she grows up. And in the most recent installment of the series, she actually only appears very briefly, but it is also a spinoff. It is a spinoff of Triangle Heart, which is a... Series of erotic games. <laughs> so that's hmm, interesting. Uh, Tweeny Witches from 2003, mm. produced by Studio 4C or 4 Celsius, is actually sort of the reverse of the traditional, at this point, magical witch version of the magical girl genre, where it is a human girl who finds herself trapped in the magical world filled with witches, warlocks, and fairies. And focuses more on the old school importance of hopes and dreams instead of focusing on more of the current 
dominating part of the genre, which is the transforming heroine slash transforming like Super Sentai squad type. Then we have Pretty Cure or Pre-Cure produced by Asahi and Toei, actually. As far as I know, Pre-Cure is like massive. Yeah, it has multiple series. I will not be going into any of them specifically (laughs) because it is so goddamn many. Really and truly, there are 18 anime series in the franchise alone. And only two are direct sequels to their previous series. But each separate series focuses on a group of teenage girls who get special items that transform them into the pretty cure magical legendary warriors. They have cute little sidekicks called fairies, and they use their magical powers to save Earth. That's literally every series. It is the most mass-produced magical girl anime that I think currently exists. Is that the one that got adapted into Glitter Force on Netflix? Yes! I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty, pretty, pretty sure. Because the styles are very similar. Because, like, I know I've watched a couple episodes, because I think my sister was watching it, and it's like... It was actually pretty funny, because I think that they, in the dub, kind of like the Notorious Ghost Stories dub, where they kind of mm-hmm. just make whatever jokes they want to make, but they, they follow the story a lot more, I think, than Ghost Stories does, but... <laughs> well, Ghost Stories is a special <laughs> case that I would love to talk about, specifically. Yeah. I, I, I really want to get into, like, the history of how it happened, but, um, yeah, Glitter yeah. Force is, like, they just kind of take the show but it's kind of very self-aware so it's kind of funny Mm -hmm. yeah no um when i was babysitting my friend's kids they were watching it i was like this is actually this is visually obnoxious to look at but the content (laughs) itself is actually okay Mm -hmm. so adding on to the lasting staying power of fucking precure the latest iteration uh, began airing in February 2020, so it's still fucking going. And it started when? 2004. Well. And they've had 18 anime series. And that's not even including the rest of the franchise, which is which has movies, manga, toys, and video games. Then we get to Madoka Magica. <laughs> Maho Shoujo Madoka Magica is the full title. It is abbreviated as Madoka, usually. Um, It's from 2011. It is created by the Magica Quartet, an artist collective consisting of of several different people, and animated by Shaft. The story follows a group of middle school girls, so we're back up from the elementary school sort of witch-centric aspect to the middle to high school version of the actual magical girl fighting, transformation-focused series. So the series is led by Madoka Kaname, and Madoka Magica is well-known for the fact that magical girls exist because they make supernatural contracts with this little fucking alien dude named QB, but I wanted to say Kirby, and I know that's not right, because my boy Kirby (laughs) would never do anyone as dirty as Kirby. (laughs) <laughs> this fucking little gremlin from Madoka Magica. But the magical girls, they make contracts to get their powers, and then they battle surreal enemies known as witches, and they learn 
the anguish and peril associated with their new roles, and the series is literally most well-known for being one of the darkest takes of the magical girl genre. There is child death, content warning. They do not shy away from it. It's pretty rough to watch if you go in not knowing what to expect, which is sort of the point. Yeah. It was one of those shows that when it came out, people were like, like, wait until you get to this episode, because it's like the the point where everything turns. But Mm -hmm. like, I will give it that the fight sequences against the witches are animated really cool and it's really Mm -hmm. visually interesting Mm -hmm. but that's about the only thing i personally like about it um daybreak illusion 2013 is produced by aic and annie polex actually Mm. Which is interesting because I thought Aniplex was more of a actual, like, distributor to the West. Which they might be, and this just may just be one that they actually helped fund. But Daybreak Illusion is notable for the fact that its group of magical girls are... Their powers and personalities are based on the major arcana from Tarot. So I may actually check that out, because that sounds interesting. Fate from 2013... Adapted by Silver Link. God, the fucking names for this one are buck wild, and I don't like it. They hurt my brain to read. I don't have dyslexia, but I am an idiot. Um, are they in Japanese or no? They're in like <laughs> fucked up fake German. <laughs> Alyssa Viel von Inzburden is an ordinary elementary school student who becomes a magical girl when the magical. Kaleidostick Ruby deems her a more suitable master than its sorceress Rin Posaka, I think. Uh, Rin has been tasked by the wizard Zelrich to collect the seven class cards containing the spirits of heroic spirits from legend and finds that she is unable to change Ruby's mind, so she has to supervise Ilya in completing the task of collecting the cards. So, this is called Fate, but it's called Fate slash Kaleid, Kaleid, Liner, Prisma, Ilya. I don't know what that is. I. It's not related to, like, the Fate series, is it? I don't know. I could not tell you. I spent maybe uh, less than a minute on its Wikipedia page specifically. Um... Uh, Oh, it is. Oh! Yeah, so it's, like, part of that Fate Stay Night, Fate Zero franchise. Okay. I know nothing about it, but I don't like the name. Neither do I. I, I've I've looked up multiple times, like, oh, I want to get into Fate because I have a friend who's into it. Where do I start? And every list is just like, well, and then I'm just like, all right, I'll try again tomorrow. Here, I'll, I'll, I'll do you one better. Just read Homestuck. It's probably easier. No, 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 absolutely not. We are not bringing Homestuck <laughs> into these house of God. <laughs> it's too late. It's already in believe, our good Christian Minecraft server. I can't believe it took until episode four for you to bring up fucking Homestuck. Listen, I used to cosplay it. I'll bring it up again I at know. some point. Like, it, it, it lives in my brain. You you try and leave the homestuck, but the homestuck doesn't leave you. Oh, Jesus. I think my tag on my passport 
since I got my Switch from last year has been, oh, we're all homestuck now, boys. No. (laughs) Madison, no. (laughs) Anyway, moving on to Little Witch Academia in 2013, uh, produced by Trigger. It was originally a short film, and then a second short film that was funded through Kickstarter. Mm -hmm. The anime series, after both of the movies, uh, aired in Japan in 2017, actually. So quite a few years after the original two films came out. It takes place at a magical academy for witches. And the main character is a young girl named Akko. Kagari, who enrolls at the school to become a witch, even though she has no magical powers. (laughs) And finally, for the more recent versions, more recent magical girls of today, we have Sailor Moon Crystal from 2014, produced by Toei. And it is a reboot of Sailor Moon that is a more faithful adaptation of the manga and omits much, if not all, of the original filler material from the original series in the 90s. Because the manga has been finished for years now, so they can do more or less a one-to-one adaptation of just the manga. Crystal was heavily criticized at the beginning for the animation being honestly shit. (laughs) Mm -hmm. The character designs are very, like... (sighs) Oh, the character designs are bad to look at, honestly. At they're currently a little bit better. They fixed the proportions, but that first season, those first two seasons are rough. The proportions are really bad. They tried to emulate the actual art style of the manga with the current 2010s animation style, and it doesn't work. And all of the transformation sequences, I think, were CGI, but it looked like CGI really badly, so they did not flow well into the actual format of the show, but currently, as of season three, the animation itself has gotten a lot better. It's a lot smoother. It's a lot more visually appealing. Mm -hmm. Which leads us in, actually, to a little subsection of magical boys and magical girl parodies. Yes. So I won't go into super into these three examples that I have, but uh, there is... Is This a Zombie, also known as Cory Zom from 2011, which is about a boy who is a zombie who is resurrected and gains the powers of a magical girl. So, of course, it's about a, a pretty boy who cross-dresses, which is, you know, definitely a thing. And a little bit, hmm. There's Cute High Earth Defense Club Love from 2015, which is... Five boys, they get Earth nature-based powers. It is a full cast of male characters parroting the magical girl concepts. And apparently more or less was made with the intent purpose of appealing to Fujoshi. Yeah, that makes sense. Because they're all like, typically... So Fujoshi is like the, um, I guess, kind of degradatory term for women who are into boys love or yaoi. Mm-hmm. And and, it, um, and it's usually straight straight women, yeah, who, who are like window shopping at the gays. Uh, it's incredibly problematic, and is definitely an issue that we will probably cover later on. But and one like 
hallmark of Yaoi is that it features bishonen or beautiful men. So the mm-hmm. characters are very much like pretty and they have like their own kind of kind of archetype that they fit. And my vibe from the show was very much like it's kind of funny, but there kind of isn't enough substance really. Yeah. It's not parody in the sense of like being mean but it just kind of falls flat. I don't know if that's just like cultural interpretation because there are a lot of cultural references that I probably mm-hmm. didn't understand, but it's it's a solid okay. Yeah, I mean, it apparently did well with like hardcore fans of Magical Girls in mm-hmm. Japan because it is like very much a wink and a nod to, to hardcore fans of other mm-hmm. Magical Girls series. And finally, there's Magical Girl Ore Mm -hmm. from 2018, which is about a unpopular pop idol and middle school student who discovers her mom used to be a magical girl, but because of her mom's back problems, passes her position down to her daughter. But unfortunately, her magical girl form is that of a large healthy, athletic, muscular man in a small, cute, girlish uniform, which is why it is called Magical Girl Ore, because Ore is a... It's not an honorific. It's... No, it's... A, it's like a personal pronoun, I think it's called. It's like Watashi yeah. is the kind of gender-neutral one, or uh, women typically use it. Men or boys typically use boku, and then mm-hmm. older men or... Typically men in informal settings will use ore. Yeah, it's it is the gendered version of saying like I. Yeah. Um, because Japanese has several different ways of saying like I it, like mm-hmm. I am in a sentence. Oh Watashi. Watashiwa is definitely one of them, and that is the one that you will most often hear. And then mm-hmm. if there is an older dude anime character or a lady character who is flipping gender roles over, you will hear ore or orewa. Like there's a there's a good joke in um or on high school host club when um uh-huh. when Tamaki finally realizes that Haruhi's a girl and she's like, Maybe I should use ore from now on. And in the dub they translate it as maybe I should refer to myself as dude, which I think was a clever translation. Yeah. Because it- I think it's very hard to try and translate something like that that just doesn't exist in English. But Yeah, because we definitely do not have like gendered personal pronouns like if i'm say like everyone uses i am Mm -hmm. or i i will i go there's not a difference Mm -hmm. but to finish it off the most common types of magic girls witches slash cute witches most commonly seen in card captor sakura and sally the witch magical warrior sailor moon and tokyo mew mew and then Magical Idols, which is most popularly known in Creamy Mommy, and Mermaid, Melody, Peachy, Peachy, Pitch, which I did not talk about, but this was a brief history of Magical Girls, and I'm already at an hour and a half. (laughs) So I will leave with a list of a a handful of apparently underrated Magical Girl anime that I will probably be checking out myself. Revolutionary Girl... Utena, Utena, I have never seen it. Every queer woman I know is like, you gotta watch Utena. Every queer woman and every black woman who is an older anime fan that I know 
loves Revolutionary Girl. Um, what I know about it is they're lesbians, Harold. That's it. <laughs> uh, it's a, apparently is a symbolic breaking down of magical girl stories, but also classic fairy tales. Mm-hmm. But also, they're lesbians. <laughs> There's Mysterious Thief Saint Tale, which is a Robin Hood-style story, and the magical girl is apparently constantly on the run from the cops. <laughs> so I, I love that. Wait, what's it called? Mysterious Thief Saint Tale. There is Shamanic Princess, which is a six-episode OVA and apparently did Dark Magical Girl before Madoka. Hmm. That's all I got for you. I did not do a whole lot of research into it, but I was like, okay, six episodes, I can watch that. And then there's Princess Tutu, which I have also never seen myself, but I I know a bit about through osmosis from other anime fan friends having seen it. It's a mixture of fairy tale history and some of the most classic tropes of Magical Girl. It's got tragic romance, dramatic misunderstandings, cute animal side kicks and ballet and the main character is it it's reverse swan lake because a duck is transformed into a human girl and then becomes a ballerina superhero as you said that i think i heard geese outside my window incredible (laughs) i summoned them that was me saying hi to you This is completely unrelated, but I was listening to a podcast a couple weeks ago, and they went on a tangent, like this one, about anime. Mm-hmm. And one of them was talking about how, I think they were talking about, like, shows they were watching, and one of them was like, yeah, I'm watching this show, and it has a really bad name, but let me describe it first. And I'm like, what the, f- what is this person watching? Like, is it weird and horny, or what? And she's like, it's called Princess Tutu, and I'm like, I have, I have heard worse. I just, princess, it's not. What do you think tutu means? I think it's just because, like, you wouldn't... It's, like, kind of a weird name in English. But, like, there are... There are weirder. <laughs> there are weirder. Oh, my God. Get on our level. I'm trying to think of, like, what's the weirdest anime title? I mean, Creamy Mommy has never sounded yeah. like a good title to me. I was gonna say nothing to but <laughs> has nothing to do with the actual content of the show. So Oh, that's like extra weird. Yeah. I mean I think it's her idol name, but still really weird choice. <laughs> really weird trans translation in English. Uh but yeah, that's this has been my brief not so brief breakdown of the history of magical girls. Yeah, this is a fun episode. Apparently, I know more, slightly more about Magical Girls than I thought, at least as far as, like, jumping in with unnecessarily long tangents about Tokyo Mew Mew. Yeah, I mean, I learned more about Tokyo Mew Mew from you than I did, like, looking (laughs) at it on Wikipedia, but I figured that would happen, so. (laughs) Yeah, I hope this episode was, again, any sort of interesting. I know that so far my trend for episodes have been fucking history lessons. (laughs) So I remember hearing stuff from um, like some anime fans about how the magical girl genre is problematic. And I didn't really know why. Mm, I guess now I do. Pedophilia, usually. (laughs) Yeah. But that's also, unfortunately, a big trope in shoujo itself. That's not just Mm -hmm. unique to magical girls. It just happens that most... If not all magical girl stories are between the ages of 9 and 
16. Mm. So. Oh, did we want to do um what we're watching? Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm chugging on with my rewatch of Sailor Moon, the OG 90s series. I don't know if I will follow it up with Crystal. If I watch Crystal, it'll probably be after a break because it is literally the same story. Mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I prefer the filler in the 90s version. It's it's very kitschy. It's very nostalgic. It's very stupid. <laughs> <laughs> and it's fun. I like it. Mm-hmm. Uh, what, are, what are you watching on your incredibly long list? Yeah, so I haven't, like, started anything I just finished uh, Hataraku Saibo, or Cells at Work Season 2, just ended. It was only eight episodes. Oh, that's pretty short. Yeah. Uh, I don't think it's, like, lack of popularity, because it's, like, a pretty it's a pretty popular show. So I wouldn't be surprised if there was, like, an OVA or, like, another season or something. Oh, I know the, the anime, or the, the manga is pretty short, too. Okay. And the story continues in Hataraku Saibo Black... Or Cells at Work Black, which is the version of the same story, but in an unhealthy body. Yeah. I would recommend watching Cells at Work. It's a cute show. Yeah, I definitely want to check it out. It's it's on my list. If I take a, if I get sick of marathoning Sailor Moon while I'm working on writing, I will definitely take a break and watch Cells at Work. But we'll see. Yeah. Okay. So you can follow us on Twitter at Weebs in a Trench. We have an Instagram at two weaves in a trench coat. You can email us at weaves in a trench coat at gmail.com. Our intro is Our Way by Vitney, and the music you're listening to right now is Chocolate Sunglasses by Drunken Foreigner Band. I'm Madison. And I'm Suzanne. And if you're a magical girl, don't lose your powers and then cross the street <laughs> without looking. <laughs>